Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And today, we'll be joined by arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Joe Montana. Talks about the quarterback that he likes to watch most in the NFL today and what advice he would give to Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. And then we'll be joined by the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, as he breaks down the action for week nine and previews Tom Brady versus Drew Brees on Sunday night football. But we come off a week in which the NFL trade deadline came and went on Tuesday without much action. Two trades in all with the Miami Dolphins sending wide receiver Isaiah Ford to the New England Patriots for a late round draft pick and the Miami Dolphins acquiring running back DeAndre Washington from the Kansas City Chiefs because Miles Gaskin is nursing an injury. Those were the two trades on Tuesday, not exactly the earth-shattering moves that many people thought we could or would get. Golden Tate was not traded. Will Fuller was not traded. I'm just trying to think of some of the other names that were out there. Nobody else was traded. But I think what people forget is the fact that going into Tuesday, there already had been seven trades over the last couple of weeks, trades that involved players such as Yannick Ngagwe and Everson Griffin and Carlos Dunlap and Quan Alexander and Desmond King. And so there already were a number of trades here, more so leading up to the deadline than at the deadline. I think teams were trying to get these players acquired previously because of the COVID protocols, because the players have to go pass these tests for five days before they can play in a game. And so the trade deadline, even though it officially ended Tuesday, November 3rd on election day at 4 p.m. Eastern, the fact of the matter is, It ended a lot sooner than that. And there also were other limitations involved. It was not just the fact that there was COVID testing to pass through. You have to consider the fact that salary cap next year is expected to go down. And so for teams to trade players with high salaries right now, they didn't want to have to try to make that work for next year with so much uncertainty. So that was one of the issues that was out there in the lack of activity at the trade deadline today, amongst other factors. And aside from trades, there's also quarterback news. The Dallas Cowboys will be without Andy Dalton this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who might just have the best defense in all football. It's going to be a tough assignment for whichever Cowboys quarterback draws the start, and it doesn't look like it'll be Ben DiNucci this week against the Steelers. Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, the Jaguars have turned to Jake Luton, a former sixth-round draft pick from Oregon State to replace Gardner Minshew in the starting lineup. Now, again, the word of mouth on Jake Luton is this. team loved what it saw of him in the summer. And when it got to the final cutdown, and it had Mike Glennon there, and it had Jake Luton there, there was some school of thought, some other teams wondering if the Jaguars would take the gamble and release Jake Luton to try to bring him back onto the practice squad. But the Jaguars got nervous and uneasy that somebody would claim Jake Luton, even though nobody saw him because there was no preseason games. And so they decided to hold on to him on the final 53-man roster, as tough as it was to do at that point in time, because they were too scared to lose him. And now they're turning to him in week nine to start against the Houston Texans, a favorable starting assignment for Jake Luton, but a starting assignment nonetheless. I'll give you a little side note about Jake Luton. His agent, 
is Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee. Both players drafted in the sixth round. So I'm not telling you that Jake Luton's going to be Tom Brady, but I'm going to tell you he was a sixth-round pick like Tom Brady. He's got the same agent as Tom Brady, and the team thinks he's got a little something to him. So don't be surprised if Jake Luton surprises us a little bit on Sunday. As for Javon Wims, the Bears wide receiver suspended for two games. I think when you spoke to people in the NFL office, they just said there is no place in the game for that. And I didn't get to see it live on Sunday. I was watching the Chargers and the Broncos and the 49ers and the Seahawks. But if I had seen that on air, I will admit right now, I very well might have tweeted assault too. I might have tweeted that if I had seen it live. But I missed the window of opportunity. Didn't want any blowback. And so we skipped that opportunity. All right. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell everyone about another ESPN podcast. Season two of the ESPN Investigates podcast is now available. The Running Man tells the story of an obscure former Olympian, an alleged serial sexual predator, and how a 14-month ESPN investigation brought him out of the shadows. More than 50 men were physically abused and mentally manipulated by their coach for over 40 years until they banded together decades later to find justice. Subscribe and listen now to ESPN Investigates, as well as the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, the Hall of Fame quarterback from the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, the great Joe Montana. All right, joining us now, the legendary former quarterback of the 49ers, the GOAT, before there were GOATs, Joe Montana. And Joe, I know you've recently become the face of an iconic partnership between Guinness and Notre Dame, with Guinness as the official beer of Notre Dame fighting Irish alumni and fans. What can you say about that partnership? I, you know, I think it's been a long time coming. I was trying to figure out why it hadn't happened, you know, before this. When you look at the, the tr- long traditions that they both have, the things that they, and even all, even up to today, and the things that they're all both are trying to do to you know, help make this world a better place. Um, you know, I, I um, am happy to be a part of the partnership. And, you know, I think when I was, I was first approached, I don't think anyone knew that. I actually fell in love with Guinness when we were in Ireland, over in Dublin, looking for jumping horses for our kids. Wow. Um, it actually was cheaper to go buy them over there and fly them back, believe it or not, than to buy some in Cal- in, here in the United States. It's crazy. But when one of the trainers said, Let's, we're going to go get a pint at lunch, and I said, okay, let's, I'm, I'm up for it. But, and, uh, but he came back without any beer. I go, what are you doing, Charlie? Where's the what that you ordered some Guinness? Well, you have to wait for it. I go, what do you mean? Then I got, I got a lesson on the boards and how it had to be perfect. And and then then once I tried it, it was well worth the wait. So uh, it, be, it it made a lot of sense for me um, you know, to continue with this when my love for both of them, especially Notre Dame and you know, my association with them for a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, what's better than becoming a spokesperson for beer, a beer of your choice, and your school? Like, that's a great, that's a great combination there, Joe. <laughs> I know it's a great combination, and uh, you know, we had a commercial coming out for the first one for him. Also, uh, coming up on when the, you know they play Clemson coming up here on November seventh, so uh, uh, the first commercial is going to be released then. So it's uh, been a lot of fun. Been a great group to work with, and obviously uh, makes like I said makes a lot of sense for me. I wish I could get one of those commercials for my beer of choice in University of Michigan. Maybe you give me some tips on how to get that done. <laughs> They don't. They they a beer comes in a carton. 
Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. Listen, uh, my school's great. Your school's great. <laughs> you got a good beer to endorse it. I don't. So there we are right now. There are so many good quarterbacks in today's game. I'm curious to know who is the quarterback today that you would pay to watch? Mahomes by far, I think. You know, there's, I mean, there's, like you said, there's so many. I mean, some of the young guys that are, that are playing pretty well. And, you know, obviously the you know, Russell Wilson in Seattle is playing well. Brady's playing well. It's hard. It's hard to pick one. But I think, I think Mahomes, there's just something different and unique about him um, than any other player that I've seen. With you having played quarterback there, have you had any interaction or relationship with Patrick Mahomes? Um, I have not. <clears throat> I met him once. I think it was at the Super Bowl or better than that. No, okay. not really. When he signs the $450 million contract that's worth up to $504 or $5 million, and you hear the numbers on that deal playing the position the way you played it as the greatest quarterback of all time, what are your thoughts when you see a contract that large and what you would make? I started running again and started throwing. <laughs> I'm going to make a comeback at 64, I think. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's great. I mean, if they can get it, get it. I mean, hey, just, you know, the game is crazy. And, you know, and you never know when it may end. And, you know, it's it becomes, you know, physically for me, it's been rough. Um, you know, if you can set yourself up for life like that, Hey man, more power to you, especially with this crazy game, because you never know what can happen. And hopefully, he stays healthy and he makes it all. Joe, that's a, well, but that's it, a big deal. You're, you're so you're running and you're training to come back as an NFL quarterback. Is that? I just want to make sure we get our facts <laughs> straight so I can report this on ESPN here. Oh, uh, dude, I wish I could. I, you know, I had a shoulder replacement. <laughs> I have a knee. It's. I've had my share of surgery. Adam, I'm not sure I can run from here to my front door. <laughs> <laughs> How are you physically holding up? You mentioned your shoulder, your knee. How are you physically? Um, it's okay. I mean, I, I still can do things. I just, you know, I, I shoulder, um, and had a few shoulder surgeries, so it's been a while. And just really now physically getting back to where I'm at, actively using my arm almost 100%. There are certain things I can't do with it, but, um, you know, I'm able to do some light lifting and, I still haven't thrown very much. Um, motion is not, you know, not very conducive to a new shoulder, at least the one that I have right at this point in time. But, um, yeah, everything else I seem to be okay with. Like swim, we were in Hawaii for a little bit, so I was swimming a little bit. But other than that, yeah, you know, I can get by. I'm not as bad as a lot of guys I've seen, so I have that. You bring up these other guys that you see, you bring up your own condition. Worth having played the sport and taken the abuse you have to play the sport that you loved back in the day? Oh, absolutely. Do it again if I could. And I wouldn't have retired so early. And I know I'm never going to change the rules. <laughs> the, the rules are very favorable for quarterbacks today, Joe. And, and that was one thing I did want to ask you. Do you. If you were playing in today's game, the way it's set up for passers, what kind of numbers do you think you could put up over the course of the season? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we would be competitive and Bill would, you know, Bill's offense was about throwing the ball anyway, although he did like to have his share of the run game and he believed in it, but he'd still like to throw it. And with the guys that, you know, we had when I left with John Taylor and Brent Jones and Jerry Rice and, uh, 
you know, the free Roger Craig. Um, It would have been interesting to see because, you know, giving those guys free release off the ball and the things that, you know, how they now they also know that they they're not going to take big hits for the majority of the time that they were taken also. But um, yeah, I mean the game's different, and, but it's always changing. But what I like to play now, and yeah, I think every quarterback would. But um, like I said, you know, the people who played before me said the same thing. Wow, I wish we played. Wow, how you're playing now because you go back and watch some of that old footage. Wow, what they used to do so about tackle wide receivers as they came off the field. Yeah. I mean, off the line screen. It's crazy. And they would crush quarterbacks too, Joe. They would kill quarterbacks, clothesline them, oh, elbow yeah. shimmies, whatever it was, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, you, you knew when you, if somebody was close to you and you, you know, that used to make the difference between guys. Can you stand there, throw it accurately, and then know you're going to get planted by 300 pounds? In, in compressed into the ground. So, um, you know, yeah, it wears and tears on your body because we're, we're typically the only guys getting hit, standing still by guys who outweigh you by a lot. Um, and so even as big as the guys are today, they're still outweighed by 100 pounds by a lot of those guys. So, um, yeah, the compression part of it was what I think got a lot of guys hurt. I'm thinking of that play where Leonard Marshall, the former Giants defensive lineman, we've seen the replays of it so many times, plowed through the line and just demolished you. Remember that play? You know, it, it goes back to the same thing. Where if it was just the hit, I could take the hit. It was the compression on the ground that got me. Because mm-hmm. when, when he compressed me on the ground, he, you know, he actually had my hand in his hand. My agent has a crazy photograph of us horizontal yeah. in the air, and he has a hold of my hand. And when he hit the ground, he compresses me, and as he tries to compress me, he pulls back on my hand. Spiral fractures my hand, but the compression hurt my – I mean, I couldn't breathe at all, in or out. I thought I literally – I've had the wind knocked out of me a lot, and you know how that goes. You can usually breathe out a little bit. I, I really couldn't get any breath. and I It hurt so bad, I didn't even know my hand was broken for about 10 minutes while I was on the ground. Yeah. And- <laughs> And we're talking about so, the same hit, right? The, we're talking about the same hit, the one where Leonard Marshall, it was the playoff game, right? Came in and mm-hmm. just smashed you. Yeah, same one. Yeah, the hit. Yeah, so I, I, but that's what I think. Going, like if he just ran and hit me and didn't compress me in the ground, yeah, I'd have probably gone out of the game for a play or two, but I'd have come back in. But where I got hurt was on the ground. And when he compressed me in the ground, not, not from the hit. And that hit today, Joe, would be illegal. Like, he would have gotten flagged, maybe even thrown yeah. out of the game in today's game, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's, one, that's one of the major differences, I think, that you see in today's game. When you watch today's game, you talked about watching it. What stands out to you about the way it's set up? Well, obviously, like, you, you know, you mentioned Mahomes' contract and, and, you know, the owners. My guess is they're looking at it going, okay. I have a major asset and I have to try to protect it somehow, some way, because they know the importance of that position. And so they've, you know, they've tried to keep the integrity of the game as much as they possibly can, but also protect those guys to as much a degree as they possibly can, because they don't, you know, those are the guys that that bring a lot of people to the stadiums to watch guys like Mahomes and Brady and Aaron and and Russell and those, and, and the young guys. So you, how do you, how do you do that? You got to change the rules so that you you can protect them. One of those young guys that's going to be protected, who's going to be entering the NFL at some point here soon, is Trevor Lawrence. 
the Clemson quarterback, who many people think is the finest quarterback prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. And he's recently talked about it not being a sure thing that he would leave Clemson after this year. What would you say to Trevor Lawrence about the decision that he soon faces, Joe? Um, well, you know, with the, with the, the money that's out there and being made, even though they have put a little bit of, you know, somewhat of a cap on it for rookies, his, his value is what it is right, you know, by the end of the season. And the things that scare you the most is, do you come back for another year? Um, and what happens if you get hurt? What happened? And just because, do you, is it because he doesn't want to go to the, who they think it might be, the Jets? Well, all you have to do is contact Peyton and Eli and see how you use your agent to get out of that somehow, some way. How they made it work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, he's at the top of this game and now would be a great time to do it. But, you know, it's a personal decision. Like, you know, like Barry Sanders retiring at, at right at 10 years. Man, he was just, he looked like his motor was just getting running to me, and it was a shame to see him go. But, you know, it was his mind and his decision that said, this is it, I'm done. I've done what I want to do, and I want to move on with my life. And maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something else in there, that decision with Trevor that, that we don't know about. But in most cases, you know, I would think he would come out next year. The sooner he gets that clock started, Joe, the more money he makes. I know money is not everything, but you're talking about incredible sums of money, as we see from the Mahomes contract. If he comes out now, he's one year closer to free agency. And as much as you might like college, I don't think anybody can afford to go back to college, even if the Jets do have the number one pick. Is that an assessment you might agree with? Oh, I definitely agree with that. You know, like I said, I I don't think his value is any higher and it is will be by the end of this year if he doesn't get hurt. And and you know the other rookie contracts are structured, um, but like you said, you get there, you're one year closer. Are you going to play the first year? I would I would think they learned lesson from what they've done with Arnold. Um, that you know, sometimes it's just not the best thing to have those guys play right away until you make sure they're ready to play. And, um, you know. Hopefully he, you know, he continues to have success in the NFL. Everybody wants to see it, and it's like to see, but there's also no guarantee that, you know, you can go back and look at first-round picks for a while and and see that there's as many buses there are successes in that position. So in any position, so it's who can you make that transition? Right? Like, and that's yet we'll have to see that once he gets out. But does he have the ability to capability? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. Some 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 people handle it differently than they do. Joe, my last question to you before I let you go, and I thank you very much for the time. Tom Brady says you are an early inspiration for him. I'm curious to know what you think of him doing what he has at the age of 43. I think it's great. I mean, you look at it, Drew's not Brees is not far behind him age wise. Neither is Aaron Rodgers, and and I think it's great that these guys can play longer. Um, you know, and the rules help him do that. Obviously, Tom's been staying in good shape, and I, you know, I think he plays as long as his arm can handle it, and he feels he's playing at the top of his game, and it's great to see. Um, you know, uh, fun to see the young guys, but it's also you know, does does good for us old guys to see some older guys playing too. So, yeah. Hey, Joe, really appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. 
We appreciate you coming on to speak about Guinness, Notre Dame, and all things football. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. And so there is the man that many believe is the finest quarterback who has ever played in the NFL, former Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana. As for his current 49ers team, that's in action Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers. They have been decimated by injury. You look at all the players that they've lost, and there might not be a team in the league that has suffered more injuries this year than the 49ers. Take Nick Bosa, take George Kittle, take Jimmy Garoppolo, take Raheem Mostert, take Tevin Coleman, take Debo Samuel, and on and on we can go. There's no team that has been more impacted by injuries this year than the 49ers, whose team has been crushed. On Thursday night, starting running back by default has to be Jermichael Hasty. Raheem Mostert's out, Tevin Coleman's out, Jeff Wilson's out. So it looks like it'll be up to the undrafted free agent who was on the Niners practice squad, who other teams tried to sign, who he bypassed the opportunity to sign with to stay in San Francisco for an opportunity like the one that is going to come along on Thursday night for Jermichael Hasty. All right, before we get to ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. And now our next guest. All right, we are past the NFL trade deadline. We are past week eight and we are on to week nine, which means it is time for my friend, my colleague, the ESPN stats and analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. And he comes along at a great time because we've got, as usual, some great matchups this week. And they start Sunday night with Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, two 40-something-year-old quarterbacks squaring off, competing for the NFC South title, competing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, competing to finish their careers with a blaze of glory. And Evan, when we look ahead to this matchup on Sunday night, which may be the highlight of this upcoming week, what stands out to you? You started by talking about 40-something-year-old quarterbacks, Adam. And before we get into the specific matchup, I dug this one up uh, Monday night after Brady's win over the Giants. The, the top, the, old, the four oldest quarterbacks this season, Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, they're combined 23-6, and six, right? So we've got all these younger quarterbacks who are taking over the league. Don't forget about the old guys who are off to a really good start on their four teams this season. And, and you get back to, to this matchup, and I think the, the most exciting thing for me is that both teams are, are playing well coming into it. Uh, the, the Buccaneers got past the Giants Monday night, and we talk about all the little intricacies with the NFL, and that's one that, that I really like. Is sometimes, you're not going to be on your game sometimes, and I don't think the Buccaneers, I think Ari, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady would admit they didn't play their best game Monday night, but they won, right? 
and now they're six and two, and now they have the same number of wins as the Seahawks. And with Brady and Breeze, it's all about the touchdown passes, right? 561 for Brady. He moved just ahead of Breeze on Monday night, which is kind of fun. 560 for Breeze. They've combined for 1,121 touchdown passes. That's more than eight NFL teams have in their history. The the combined wins for Brady and Breeze, that's more than nine teams have in their history, including both the Saints and the Buccaneers when you combine the two. And as we've, we've hit early November here, never too early to start projecting ahead to the playoffs, especially this year. And we're going to probably repeat it on this podcast every week going forward. One bye in each conference, home field advantage is more important than ever. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have four of their next five games at home. They don't have any really long road trips the rest of the year. If Tampa Bay gets that one seed, we know Super Bowl 55 is at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, Entering, uh, as we kind of look early in the week here, the Seahawks have a slightly better chance to get the one seed in the NFC, according to our football power index. A A lot of games still to be played, but I think as we project ahead, and this is a huge game for this, it's a huge game not just for the NFC South, but as we look ahead to that home field advantage and the all-important one seed in the NFC. Well, you mentioned the one by, and on Monday night, Chris Mortensen reported about a proposal that's going to be submitted about expanding the playoff field this season in the event mm-hmm. that there are games canceled yep. in the second half of the year due to the COVID pandemic year. And so we think that there's going to be one by, but we don't right. know that yet. And it's possible that each conference may send eight teams to the playoffs without a buy, but we'll see if that is even necessary because that would only be done if it is necessary. And we'll see how that plays out. Now you're talking about Brady and Breeze and the other interesting matchup in this game matchup, but comparison would be the two wide receivers. Basically (laughs) almost making their debuts for the season. I know Michael Thomas played week one, but he really has been a non-factor this year due to a variety of reasons, injury, disagreements with the coaching staff, insubordination, whatever you want to call it, and the Buccaneers get back Antonio Brown, that should be one of the highlights. But without Michael Thomas, the Saints have had to rely on Alvin Kamara. What do we make of the role that he's had in the Saints offense, Evan? Yeah, it's really incredible. And and in a league that, that's dominated by the great quarterback play and, and no one's been better than Russell Wilson as, as an MVP candidate. So we'll get that out of the way, but Alvin Kamara has just been outstanding. He leads the NFL in yards for scrimmage. He's accounted for 37% of the Saints total scrimmage yards this season. That's easily the highest percentage in the league this year. Uh, only per, only percentage hired by a player through this point over the last five seasons was Christian McCaffrey last year. There, he's got 55 receptions this year, Adam. That's second in the NFL, the entire NFL. I'm not just talking about among running backs. Wow. Uh, the, only, the only player with more is DeAndre Hopkins. So Kamara is their offense. The the matchup, and, and you mentioned Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown, which will certainly be a big storyline in this game. But the matchup I'm really looking forward to seeing is Kamara against those Buccaneers linebackers who are maybe two of the best on the same team in the NFL when you talk about Devin White and Levante David. As we get past the the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, that's one of those really inside-the-game matchups that that might decide this one. Yeah, and by the way, it's amazing that nobody's talking about Alvin Kamara as an MVP candidate when you put it in those terms, Evan. With that perspective, with those numbers, to me— And and, and when you really consider, and I know a lot of times the, the MVP kind of gets interchanged with who ends up being the best player. 
which I know happens across all sports. But when you talk about most valuable player, I mean, Russell Wilson, Alvin Kamara, if the Saints don't have Alvin Kamara, I don't know what they look like. Yeah. Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson. You can say the same, I, I suppose, about Patrick Mahomes. But I don't know that there's a non-quarterback right now who means more to their team than Kamara does to the Saints. All right, how about this one? We now have, very quietly, we're talking about all these great young quarterbacks, the season that Russell Wilson's having, Alvin Kamara, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. And, oh, by the way, ho-hum, Mr. Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City. <laughs> Quietly going about his business, correct? Yeah, it, it it's incredible. And I, I can't pinpoint the reason. Maybe it's the fact that they've played uh, a few kind of lighter opponents over the last few weeks. But the Chiefs are 7-1. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. He has 21 touchdown passes and one interception this season. He's the first player ever in the history of the league to have at least 20 touchdown passes and then one or zero interceptions in the first eight games. So from an efficiency standpoint, nobody's ever started like that. And when we think about Mahomes, I think we think about the Super Bowl and we think about his 2018 MVP season, which was one of the best we've ever seen. 50 touchdowns, won the NFL MVP. Well, three eight games this season, he's got a higher completion percentage. He's got a higher total QBR than he did three eight games the last in that year. His QBR is the highest in the NFL. So as this season, this year, uh, excuse me, this week, uh, they host the Panthers before going on their bye. So let's just not forget about the Chiefs. The, the Steelers are undefeated. I know that Russell Wilson is putting up historic numbers. But Patrick Mahomes is really just kind of he, – he, he had a few down games. He faced the Jets. He threw five touchdowns and really kind of elevated himself, I think, right back into the MVP conversation. Well, it is the year of Patrick Mahomes, Evan, right? He won a Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl MVP. He signed a $450-plus million contract that could be worth over 500 with incentives. He got engaged. He's having a baby. He's off to the 7-1 and start. He has the great numbers that he does. He's on pace to potentially win another MVP. Again, life is a joyride right now for Patrick Mahomes. And with all the weapons he has in that offense, they are an incredible team. And you're right, as good as Pittsburgh is, as good as some of these other teams are, there may not be a better team in football than the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Seattle Seahawks might be able to give them a run for their money with their quarterback and their situation. What do we make of Seattle going east for a big matchup against the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, fun game, I think, between two teams you don't uh, see play often, but uh, both with six wins, Bills six and two, Seahawks six and one. And, and the Seahawks' recent record when traveling east is really incredible. So you always hear, uh, you know, kind of out there that one of the maybe misnomers in the league is, oh, well, the team's traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast, time difference, all this, take the East Coast team. Well, well that's not the case when when you talk about the Seahawks recently. They've won 10 straight games in the Eastern time zone, including the playoffs. Uh, this will already be their third game in the East this season. They, they beat the Falcons. They beat the Dolphins. They huh. still go to Philly and Washington later in the year. Russell Wilson, 22 touchdown passes two interceptions in those games. And the only other time he played in Buffalo, I found this one interesting. So the only other time he played in Buffalo was his rookie season in 2012. He had the highest total QBR of his career in that game, a 99.3 out of 100. He had three rushing touchdowns. The Seahawks put up 50 points. Uh, I think this one is going to be an interesting game to see. I think people are kind of overlooking 
overlooking might not be the right word, but but the Bills kind of I think the Dolphins are really the hot team in that division right now, right? They've got Tua, they've got the number one scoring defense in the league. Well, the Bills are still a game and a half ahead of the Dolphins. Now, I know they've kind of been plodding along a little bit after their four and zero start, uh, but but they're six and two. They beat the Patriots, so I think if the Bills can kind of beat the beat the Seahawks team and get the seven and two, then they're going to be back in that. Okay, now now people are going to you know take the Bills seriously as one of the top teams in the AFC. Amazing that the Seahawks won ten straight games. It's unreal. Sometimes let me say this to you: I used to cover the Broncos out in Denver when I started my newspaper career in 1990. And I spent almost 15 plus years covering that team. I can't tell you how many East Coast trips the Broncos had. And if we were to add up their record yeah. on those trips, it would definitely be below 500. I can't tell you how many times I heard, oh, it's hard to go back East. It's right. hard to start early. It's hard right. to start with the time difference. All right. that. I, I heard that over and over and over. I know. It, it's always, yeah, it, it is always something that kind of follows around those those teams in the, in the mountain and Pacific time zone. But the, the Seahawks uh, certainly have kind of gotten past that uh, that saying, and and they've been incredible in these uh, in these early games uh, when they travel east. Well, Evan, we appreciate the time and the insight right now. I uh, actually see a spider on my floor right now. I want to go clean yeah. that up before it gets out. It's a big giant yeah. spider, and it's crawling. You know, I want to make oh, sure boy. it doesn't get by the cabinet. <laughs> so let me go take care of that. You go take care of your business, and we'll see you Monday night for the Jets and Patriots. On Monday Night Countdown, 6 o'clock Eastern, ESPN. See you in the studio. Sounds good, Adam. There's my friend, my colleague, Evan Kaplan. Speaking of friends, just wanted to point out, on Friday night, went out to an outdoor dinner with my wife in a tent. It's freezing in New York, raining in New York. But we went. And what was interesting about that night was how many people were so happy to be outside seeing people. Even though it was cold out, even though it was raining out, it was almost like a reunion of seeing people you haven't seen in a long time, but it was going on everywhere. People were happy to see people. It's part of the world we're living in. And I think we've never appreciated seeing friends than we have now. On Monday night, saw Steve Young, our ESPN colleague in studio for the first time all year long. Now, last year, we were on the road together for every Monday Night Countdown show. But this year, for Monday Night Countdown, Steve is at the site of the game. And we are in a studio in the South Street Seaport in New York City. And so we haven't had the chance to work with Steve in person until the first week in November. So the last time I saw Steve Young in person would probably be at last season's Super Bowl in Miami, which is 10 months ago. And Steve is an unbelievable teammate. He's a great guy to work with. We would ride over to the games together last year, talk about what was going on, love being with the guy, hadn't seen him all year long. So even though the pandemic goes on and COVID spreads and rages, it is so nice to see some people, whether it's out to dinner on a cold, rainy Friday night in New York or in the studio on a Monday night for Monday Night Countdown, which Steve will be in again this week because it's another game in New Jersey between the Patriots and Jets. So we'll get more Steve Young time on Monday night. And frankly, I could never get enough Steve Young time. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt 
Didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And before we go on to week nine, I want to thank Joe Montana for taking time out of his schedule to join us this week. I want to thank Evan Kaplan, the ESPN stats and analytics guru, for taking the time to be with us. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting together this podcast once again. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. We always appreciate everybody tuning in on a weekly basis to see whatever information and insights and interviews we can share. We hope you'll come back again next week when we are scheduled to be joined by the broadcaster and now author of a new book, Jim Gray, who will talk about all of his memorable interviews and professional experiences. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.